So I wanted to just give a little brief introduction to this conversation because it's a little different to the ones that I usually have. And it is here with my husband, John Adrian, that we are talking today. Now he has a really interesting view on the world because of his life experience. So he has stayed very close to the technological advancements, particularly in the visual arts. And because of this, and also because of his interest in spirituality, it was actually John who introduced me into the world of Buddhism over 25 years ago. He has a really unique, I would say, experience and understanding of the world, particularly as it's unfolding today. So he's a commercial photographer. He's lived in London his whole life, apart from four years where he was studying photography at Glasgow School of Art. He began um, in an old fashioned basement photo lab, his career in Soho, in London Soho in the 1990s, moved very quickly from the traditional darkroom into the digital world, freelancing in Photoshop as a retouch artist with some of the highest kind of biggest um, no well-known large London agencies, McCann, Saatchi, Wolf Wallins, so on. He also partnered with colleagues in the music industry to create visual work for bands as well known as U2. So he really has a broad range of experience of the world. He now makes his living as a photographer, working with all sorts of different companies, ranging from EE to Eurostar to personal private um, portraits. So he has really a full range of experience. Hey, welcome, and I John. Really Thank you for coming on to this chat with me to help the people that I am teaching learn a little bit more about technology and how it can be used to center them, but also how it can be used to maybe move them away from their center. I hi. want to, hi. hi. <laughs> I want to just bring you up to speed with where we have been these last few weeks. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the definitions that we've been working with, just so that you're kind of in the same page as us. So the first one that I start the first, the first thing that I really start with is just a dictionary definition of the word that we are exploring, the theme, the idea, the feeling that we're exploring. So this is a dictionary definition of alignment. So to align is, it's a verb, so it's an action, and it is to be in parallel. It's also to arrange, so to arrange in like a, a line or to be in a parallel. Mm -hmm. um, it is to produce a proper relationship or orientation to or it is to ally oneself with one kind of side of an argument or another side of an argument. So we've been, which I think those definitions, although they're not completely appropriate for what we've been talking about, some of them are. So for example, to adjust or produce a proper relationship to oneself in orientation to is very much what we've been working with for the last few weeks. We've been working with these ideas of how we can get thrown off and how we can find our center again. And that's one of the practices that we've been working with just to, to continually readjust and realign ourselves so that we're back in our center. And part of this is about trust. Part of it is also about making sure that we're enriched and that we're nourishing ourselves so that we're full. And then part of it is just about that kind of checking in, that, that kind of regular checking in. And two ways that we've been exploring this as a group have been, what are our values? So what are the core values that you hold? So I've been sharing some of my core values, which are peace, compassion, kindness, and 
where we can live and work in alignment with those core values that's the first kind of part of it and then the second part of it is how we can trust and take guidance from our higher self or a power greater than ourself so aligning to what some people might call god what some people might call spirit universe source you know everyone has a different name for it and the reason that i wanted you to come on was because one of the ways that i know i get kind of off balance and that I see my kids come off balance and that I see you know probably you come off balance is when we get swept up in the kind of parade of information that is thrown at us through media through social media through all the different sources of 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 ways that we kind of absorb teachings information news and I know that this is something that you are really clever at let's say and I know it's something that you really mm, know quite a lot about so let's introduce you to everybody first of all before we go any further yep so John you are my husband we've been married for 20 years we've known each other I think for over 30 years Mm -hmm. and you really have been very close to uh practice of spirituality for as long as I've known you and particularly I'd say in the last 25 years and also you've been very close to technology very close to technology and the developments and the pivotal moments where technology has developed over the years so for example when you were 12 mm-hmm. you won an award right so yeah what was right. the award? which was the times national micro computer challenge because we used to call those great big computers that we had with the green screen micro computers yeah in those days yeah so that was like a, a programming competition and in that challenge or that competition you were competing against adults yes yeah so it was kind of quite a big deal to be selected and especially at 12 when computers were so how old would you have been at 12 12 Sorry, how, what year would you have been? <laughs> what year would you have been at top? Um, so I, that would have been my first year at secondary school. So that would have been 80, I'm just working out, 83? Yeah, so that was 83. And, and I think what had happened is that my headmaster at primary school decided he was going to be like the first um, British state school to have a computer in every classroom which I don't know if there's a computer in every classroom now. I mean, I guess everybody's got a phone in their pocket yeah. now, so there is a computer in every classroom. But, you know, in terms of one of those big, expensive computers, um, from about eight or nine, um, I'd had access regularly to one of those. And um, in those days, you couldn't really do anything with any computer unless you were programming it yourself. Mm. So it's just like learning another language and the younger you are when you start to understand how those things are done like the easier it is so by the time I was 12 it didn't seem very strange that you might sit down and write a computer program to do something and for those of of us that remember that are old enough to remember that was the time of a blank screen and a blinking cursor basically that was it yeah that was all yeah and you you couldn't and and i think in terms of you know what you were saying before about pivotal moments in technology Mm. you know i lived with computers i lived i guess with a computer for 10 years which wasn't powerful enough to have a photographic image on screen Mm. so it was you know using a computer to code 
or playing computer games, but no computer until I was my early in my early twenties was capable of having a full color, mm. you know, um, photographic image that was indistinguishable from a photograph, you know, mm. for, for years and years and years. So the kind of pivotal moments that I think uh, I worked through and lived through were things like being able to digitally manipulate a photograph. Mm. Um, so I was quite early um, in my career, I was working as a Photoshop retouch artist. And to tell you the sort of to, to position that in time and culture, um, I was working in a photographic lab where we developed film for professional photographers and I was the first person in that lab to be their Photoshop retoucher. So until I worked there, you couldn't go in and say, I need my photo adjusted or retouched or pieced together or and, and is that pre-digital photography? Yeah. So you would still y retouch yes. a film? Yes, yes. So, yes. So I was like bridging the gap. So people would come in with a piece of film that they'd mm. shot and they wanted something changed or retouched, mm. you, you would scan that film mm. onto the computer. And then we even had a very expensive machine that would laser write the image back to film because so few people had computers of their own. Mm. So, And what year yeah. would that have been? Uh, that would have been towards the end of the 90s. So that would Just have been... Just when I met you, really. Um, sort of 96, 97. Yeah, yeah, pretty much and the, yeah. when we actually probably started going out. Yeah, and, yeah. and, they'd all, and we definitely had, um, you know, image creation software before. And I should add that I didn't study computers at college. I studied photography at art school. And what was your dissertation at college? Oh, uh, but I was very interested in technology. So I'd written a dissertation in the early 90s, uh, basically uh, predicting that... Uh, media as we know it would disappear because of the advancement of technology so so my dissertation or thesis um, for my art school degree was basically that media as we know it mass media as we know it would become fragmented and fractured because technology was obviously starting to go in the direction whereby you would be able to produce content yourself. So everyone would have a voice. So everyone would be able to uh, produce video, make their own news. I didn't really know how that would happen, but I'd kind of seen glimpses of technology and I'd seen some... Like there were no internet browsers in those days, but there was an internet but you so would that was like 1993? So that was like, yeah, 92, 93. Um, we did have computers. Mm. Um, I was using things like Photoshop at college. Um, but, we, yeah, you didn't have any way really of connecting to other people. So we, we, you know, for example, we'd done a project at college where we had the address of another university in mm. America and you could send an image to them by a very elaborate kind of email system but there was no internet browser mm. or like instant there was no email software as such it was like you were coding a message to be sent so basically with that dissertation in 1993 you were predicting things like youtube yeah basically if i could have summarized it 
you know, with 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 hindsight, mm. it would be the prediction of YouTube, or really the prediction of social media. Like mm. what what I realised was that we were in something that looked like an industrial revolution. So being uh, a student at art school, the kind of things that I was interested in were all of the advancements in mechanical reproduction. You know what the camera had done to extend the human eye, what mm. the printing press had done to extend what you could have written by hand. And I realised that we were looking at a revolution similar to the printing press and the camera, and that one of those things only comes around every once or twice in 100, 150 years, maybe. So you saw it as a real pivotal moment? I, I knew that, yeah, I knew that something pivotal was, kind of... was happening. You couldn't quite predict it, but mm. the, the, there was something that we were on the cusp of. And, and to put that in context, so I'd written that in 1994, and I know that quite, not, it was kind of a split between, you know, my, my tutors at college, like half of them didn't understand what I was talking about or why, mm. and half of them did. Mm. YouTube, out just out of interest, YouTube was, uh, I think it was officially launched in 2005. Mm. So anyway, so that's, you know, that's just just where where I was and the way I kind of think about things I, I do tend to think of how is this base technology going to unfurl in the future mm. so that's a particular yeah that's definitely what I see in you is you have a particular skill for seeing the bare bones of something and having some way of understanding how that's going to move forward so what would you say in the last Oh, where are we now? 22. So in the last 20 years, what would you say are the pivotal moments that you've seen in technology? Right. So, I mean, I think the things that people understand mm. for sure are, uh, in their own lives, are first of all, the internet. So you can remember, for example, with me, when we were first married, we didn't have smartphones mm. and there wasn't really any social media. There kind of was, but it hadn't didn't really have the form that it has now. Mm. Um, but the internet was obviously course, yeah. like the big thing. Mm. You know, I, I knew from early on in the 80s, you know, when I'd won that computer competition mm. at school, I'd seen my headmaster connect the computer at school to the computer in the British Library mm. via a telephone. Mm. And it was a bit of a anti-climax. But he was very <laughs> excited that we'd connected our school computer in South London to the biggest, you know, institutional library. Yeah. And you could search the catalogue of the British Library with text remotely over a telephone. So were right. you what were you just able to see the title and the, yeah, so, like, so none of like, the content? Yeah, so it was it was probably, you know, nineteen eighty three, the little flashing cursor would come up mm. and say, Hello, this is the British Library. Mm. And then there's like a question mark and a flashing cursor. Mm. And then you would type search mm. Shakespeare or mm. search for Shakespeare. And then it would think you know, send that send that request to the British Library, and the computer there listed, along with the little number, every Shakespeare title in the British yeah, Library. Okay. So that was like in its infancy, the internet basically was lots of institutional computers, mm. military computers, university computers, cataloguing and documenting, mm. and that's all really that's all we have now. But you need some kind of, you know, you have to apply some kind of vision. What is this going to become? Why is this important? And I think that's kind of what you're asking mm. at the moment is like, 
you know, what can you, what have you seen, what can you see? So in the, so just going back to your question, mm. what have I seen in the last 20 years? I think the main thing is like, it's mass adoption of mm. the internet. And lots of people had computers at home. Most people had computers at work. But I think really the biggest thing which has really made us uh, change the way we behave is the smartphone. Because mm. the smartphone is very clever in that it isn't a phone. Mm. It's a computer. Mm. It's a computer connected to every other computer in the world, mm. right? And it's in your pocket. Mm. And you and I have both been abroad to other countries where there are different stages of development mm. to us. Even if you, you know, we've been in sort of semi-rural Southeast Asia, mm. everyone's got a smartphone mm -hmm. and they're on it all the time. So there's a revolutionary interaction with computers. Although we have noticed, just as a side note, that there are different cultures that interact in a different way with it. So, for example, we haven't been to France for a while, but maybe it was eight years ago we last went to Paris. And what we, and I guess that's a lifetime, isn't it, in technology terms. But we did notice that not everyone was on their phone as they were walking down the street in the same way that they are in London. So if you walk down a London street, everybody is walking down the street. I'd say 80% of people generally are walking down the street, maybe that's an exaggeration, yeah. with their eyes on yeah. their phone, not their eyes on the road or around them. Yeah. Whereas we noticed that in Paris, yeah. at the same time, yeah. that wasn't the case. Yeah, people I mean, were, were, were more selective about bringing their phone out. Yeah, and I, I have been to Paris more recently than oh, that, yeah. and it's changed a little bit, but if you look at pavement cafes, there's yeah. kind of a mix. Yeah. It's, you're more likely to see people sitting there talking. So there are cultural differences. Even it's not. Close. It's not yeah. inevitable yeah. that you're completely consumed by... By technology so I think that's that's one thing like the, basically the prevalence or the ubiquity of computers in everyone's hand and everyone's pocket so mm. that's definitely something that's changed and I think also in the same way as if you go back and watch uh, a BBC TV program from like 1950 quite a lot of uh, drama is just a stage play filmed for TV mm. and documentaries were just radio programs with mm. some pictures mm. it wasn't until you know, everybody had a telly and watched it every night that we really mm. started to get TV programmes, you know, that are, that were series mm. that, that started to fit the medium. Mm. And in the same way as every medium sort of takes its, takes time to find its feet, I don't really think people understood why they had a smartphone mm. until they got social media. Mm. Um, that seems to be the thing which has really captured the imagination and I know that we talk or there is a lot of talk about social media being a negative thing mm. but it's basically a communication and I think it taps into I think it taps into people's desire mm. to to be networked and communicate in the real world mm. e even if sometimes it's to the detriment of that yeah that's what that is doing. It's yeah. it's tapping into your desire to communicate and be part of a social network, a real social network. Yeah. And the other main, I'd say, just to flip us back to that time when you were one of the first or the first person in the place where you were working to be asked to Photoshop a film image. Yeah. So sure. would you say that's one of the other pivotal moments that you've seen in technology? Uh, yeah, technology? I, I think that, yeah, that's a funny one because as I was working behind the scenes... So that's photoshopping, that, changing yeah, images. So, so as I was photoshopping images, mm. photographic images, mm. um, 
as a, as a job. The rest of the world wasn't photoshopping images. The rest of the world was consuming the images that, that I was helping to create mm. in the in the advertising industry. Mm. And so that was a pivotal. It was that wasn't really a moment because I think that that just grew and uh-huh. grew and grew uh-huh. and snowballed until the point where you know over the last say ten years, if somebody asked me, "Do you think this image is photoshopped?" Yeah, I would re- always reply to someone all images that you consume mm. in terms of advertising are photoshopped. Mm. There, there aren't any mm. that aren't photoshopped. So we've actually become more attuned to photoshop images than... than, than just, unphotoshopped. Well, it's like, I, I kind of see that that's... Technology isn't really a set thing, it's a process mm. or it's a state of... Um, it's a state of technology. We, we need to think in more in terms of what stage in the process is technology. So at the same time as we've got really used to seeing photoshopped images, yeah. we also all got a new camera with our smartphones, yeah. which isn't a phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a computer with yeah. a camera. Yeah. And um, so we've got this funny back and forward relationship with imagery in that we love to consume super polished, Mm. aspirational imagery of a dream world Mm. that's unobtainable. But at the same time, social media and the smartphone camera meant that we were sharing real images of the real things that people were doing Mm. like crazy at the same time. So there's a kind of friction or Mm. a rub there Mm. between like fantasy images and real images. If you want to, you know, if you want to call them real. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that as time's gone on, the smartphones have started to introduce these kind of filters to make your pictures of you look more like the ones that I was creating, which is funny because, you know, to begin with, there was that rub of the super real and the super glossy, you know. And now it's more just gloss. And also just the other thing that I remember noticing, maybe this is maybe four or five years ago, was certain celebrities maybe certain female actors would request that their image if they were politically aware or with a leaning towards maybe female empowerment they would request that their images were not photoshopped so that you would get a real I think Kate Winslet did it or one of those people did it so that you would actually get a real representation of their their body so for women it's really it and for men for all of us but you know, I've I've got a female experience. It's 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 been really crazy to consume those different images of what a woman should look like and how she's presented for kids. You know, for young girls. For I, women. I, th- I think that's become like that for everybody now. Yeah. You probably don't consume that many social media images of men. Yeah. But but some of the the major. Um, influences on social media for men and boys also have an impossible uh, an impossible target for mm. what a male body should mm. look like if, mm. if you go back and watch a, a drama mm. like if we look at Richard Gere's body in an officer and a gentleman <laughs> he's kind of in shape but if you watch any TV drama now and any guy gets out of bed he's got a six pack mm. and bulging biceps it's it's actually become I think equally impossible mm. for young men, mm. and and I think that's probably uh, 
reflected you know in in, in, the images. in unpleasant statistics about yeah. mental health yeah. for young men as well as for girls sure. i think everybody's suffering yeah. from the from the impossible image ideals because it's causing us to align ourselves to something that's not true or real yeah and it, and those images may not be true or real mm-hmm, exactly um, yeah yeah so okay so let's we could talk about that forever but let's yeah, sure. just put a pin in that for now and skip forward to this time which you've identified to me which is why I wanted you to come on and talk as another pivotal moment so we had the internet we've had photoshop we've had your prediction on youtube (laughs) these are kind of pivotal moments like personally and within society but you've identified another pivotal moment within the world of ai and how ai is now capable of creating manipulating and offering incredibly realistic versions of the world yeah so so just in your list of things that i think were most influential i think the one you missed oh. to repeat there was social media but yes thanks yeah. Yeah. but i mean there was a fun there was a fun thing this week we were just talking about it with the, um our eldest daughter where there was a mm. an internet meme mm. of the pope wearing a, a ridiculously outsized uh, white puffer jacket over the top of his uh, Pope's robes. Yeah, like a designer. Yeah, like a huge, so a huge, like, like, like you might wear if you were a rapper <laughs> yeah. in uh, New York. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's very amusing and it's a typical kind of incongruous internet meme. Mm. But I think the thing, the reason that was doing the rounds on social media over the last week was really because that image was generated by an AI. Mm. So the photo of the Pope. Mm that looked like it had a puffer jacket photoshopped on was not a photograph of the Pope. No one had taken that picture. There was no Pope. There was no puffer jacket. It's just somebody asking an image generating AI Mm. to generate a meme of the Pope Mm. with a funky pose wearing a huge white puffer jacket. So just for those of us that are really new to this technology and we hear the word AI, the the, the, AI banded around all the time, but we might not actually know what that looks like or what that means. So just break down the process for those of us that are really new to this. What does it mean? You're saying like there's a computer and you speak words into the computer and then it throws back an image. Just talk us through how that actually works. So at the moment, I wouldn't get too bogged down in how that works because the way that you interact with these things Mm. at the moment is changing so fast that if I tell you how that works at the moment, I don't think it will work like that in six months' time. So it's like, like your it's, school teacher bringing you into your school office and saying, look, this is how the internet's going to work yeah, and it's just a curse yeah, saying hello so, and yes. uh, it's, 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 so, it's going to change. Yeah. Okay. So as a professional photographer, I've been trialling some of these AI systems before they're open to the public and sure. one of the ones that I've been trialing is an image generator mm-hmm. and it's the same one as this meme of the Pope has been created mm-hmm. with. and at the moment you interact with it with text what's it called it's called mid journey mid journey mm-hmm. okay and so you but there are lots this, of these things there are lots you of you use AIs. this as a photographer to support well at the moment it's not quite good enough uh-huh. right but but, <laughs> but because these because these technologies are training themselves yeah. okay. um, in conjunction with us mortals, mm. 
um, they're advancing exponentially. So I'm talking to it with text at the moment, but every image that it generates and then I tweak or regenerate. Or reject. Or reject. It's learning all the time what it is that I want and that I am looking for, along with all the other million people who are who are testing it. And you can feed it images mm. and it will feed back something in the same style. Mm. Or you can feed it text and it will mine its own database of how images are constructed. Mm-hmm. What it doesn't do yeah. is give you back images that already exist. It takes it's taken hundreds of millions of images from the public domain okay and it's deconstructed them into their key elements Mm -hmm. um and then it's it's taught itself Mm. how an image is constructed so then when you ask it to construct an image it constructs from scratch an image of the pope So it's crawling the internet. Well, it has done, yeah. I mean, that's controversial in itself, but I don't think we're going to go down that road okay. today. Okay. Of like, but but imagine, let's just for argument's sake uh-huh. say that it's been trained on hundreds of millions of okay. images on the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you could put in a request for an image, like you've shown me some really silly ones of like, I don't know, dogs dressed in 70s outfits in their living room and, yeah, and it so will you present have, yeah. you with, with yeah. that. So that's kind of fairly harmless, right? Um, and then you've also shown me, you know, ones that still may, may be equally harmless because it's kind of obvious that they're not real of, you know, certain politicians kind of cleaning toilets. Yeah, or... there, there was one last <laughs> week, wasn't there? There was um, a set of political ones mm. of like, what are the MPs going to do uh, when they get kicked out of Parliament? Rishi... Sunak mm. is delivering Uber a Eats. Yeah, delivery <laughs> when Boris is mopping the floor. So these these are and one of Trump escaping the like being, being arrested. So there's there's li- another meme on the internet at the moment mm. is like X whoever you don't like yeah. being chased by the police and arrested. Yeah. Mm. So there's ones of Joe Biden. Mm. There's ones of Donald Trump. Mm. You know, this, mm. exactly. It's just a thing just that, a... that people are doing. And I think what you're about to get to, if I'm going to jump there, is yeah. jump in there is if at the moment. If this is where the technology is going, yeah. how are we going to know whether these things are real or not? Yeah. And the goal of these technologies is to produce images which are indistinguishable from photographs. Mm-hmm. There are, I'm, that's my pet project is just I work in photography. I've mm-hmm. always worked in photography. So I'm always looking at how good is the computer at mimicking real photography. At the same time as this is going on, the same things happening with video, the same things happening with music, the same things happening with uh, reconstructing voices. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if where this is going is within one year, two years from now, you're going to start to see um, the creation of film and audio that is indistinguishable from a real piece of what we would call a real piece of uh, film footage or audio. And whilst responsible AI companies are going to restrict you from creating stuff that's fake news, Mm. the genie is out of the bottle. I guarantee you Mm. it is too late already. Mm. So if you think that 
social media is an onslaught mm. of information and opinion at the moment, you're about to see it get dialed up mm. probably 10 times into more inflammatory, wilder, mm. more preposterous um, kind of material that's more believable than we've currently got, if you can believe that's possible. Mm. If it's wild, just I'm just thinking while you're talking, if it's wilder and more inflammatory, what, or let's say wilder, is that not going to make it more simpler for us to discern that it's fake? I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. Because, because why? Well, these technologies are essentially neutral. Uh-huh. So the wildness is in the hands of the people who are asking these AIs to construct creatively Mm -hmm. for good or creatively for bad Mm -hmm. um, uh, fantastical scenarios. Mm -hmm. You know, do you want to have uh, do you want to have an image of the president calling for war, or Mm -hmm. do you want to have an image, or do you want to have film footage of the prime minister calling for war, or do you want to create mm. film footage of the Prime Minister saying it's time to cease fire in a war? Mm. That that power mm-hmm. is ours as humans mm-hmm. and everything good and everything bad about humanity gets amplified by these technologies. And I think you can you can already see that mm-hmm. if you've ever spent like an hour on Twitter unrestricted, just like looking at the news and reading people's comments, you can see it's not Twitter may facilitate mm. bad behaviour mm. or like negative speech, but it, but it's people yeah. we think. <laughs> we think they're people who generally. are... Yeah, generally speaking, yeah. you know, this is engagement by humans who decide which direction this stuff goes in. So from that... I want to talk about the positives and the negatives yes, in a minute, but yes. I just want to keep draw us back to this yes. position of alignment and, yes. and how we stay true to ourselves and how we trust ourselves in a world that's, from the way that you're describing it, is only going to get noisier yes. and more confusing. Yes, I think. How yeah. do you do it? How yeah. do you? Because you, you consume so, a lot. I know you consume a lot yeah. of this stuff. How so, do you stay aligned? Yeah. So I can see that it's easy to fall out of alignment. Mm. Um, There are two things, I think, that you can fall out of alignment with. One is values that you already have and you've already set for yourself. You can get knocked Mm. off course. Yes, yes. Has that happened to you? Yeah, definitely. Can you give an example? Not at the moment. I'm (laughs) going to come back. I'm going to come come, come back. I will will give you an example. Let me come back to Mm. it. And then also you've got aspirational alignment. So you're trying to align to a target of something you're aiming for. Right. And it's potential to be blown off course while you're on a journey, you know, while you're on a... So you have a goal, you mean? Yeah, you're trying, you're trying to have a goal. Or an aim yeah. or a target. Yeah. And then you're, you get knocked off because of some form of information or disinformation. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. Mm. Maybe those things are very are very similar. I mean, the, the main... This might sound a bit vague. Mm. The main thing that can do this is literally the addictive nature yeah. of screen time. Yeah. So I've explained to you that since I was eight years old, I've basically had a computer at my side. Yeah. And what people have tried to do 
um, what computer companies, computer games companies, TV companies, now social media companies mm. have tried to do more than anything else is to increase the amount of time that you're you on the screen. Mm. If an AI mm. can learn which images you like best, mm. AIs will, under the guise of commercial enterprise, try to generate, and they will successfully generate, images which engage you more than anything you've seen before. So in that in right, that so, story, an AI partners with an algorithm. Or no, is an algorithm an AI? No, an, no. Al- an algorithm is just a mathematical equation. equation right? uh-huh. So an AI is made up of a bunch of algorithms, right? Ah. Right. The, the algorithms, if you really want to get into it, okay. the algorithms that make an AI mm-hmm. are arranged to be like the human brain. So they are, they are arranged like neurons mm. so that they build connections mm-hmm. and grow to process and understand information in a naturalistic way that is like the human brain. That's what AIs are based on. That's why they're called artificial yeah, intelligences. Okay, okay. You know, so in the same way as... This, and this is going back to me sort of studying these things. Yeah. In the same way as photography was an extension of the way we see. Mm-hmm. Like a computer AI is an extension of the way we think, right. like st- reflected back at us. The, the, the problem is that it can just, the, what, what the, the kind of problem that I'm pointing at here, or, the, or what I'm really talking about is that there is the capability to feed back to us the things we like or the things we're outraged by or anything that engages us is about to be fed back to us exponentially quicker and more... Um, with more engagement factor than we're used to. Because it's designed even more uniquely for us. Because it can be tuned to that if we so wish. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of focusing in on one thing here, yeah, which, yeah. which is engagement with images and video over social media. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm talking about here. Yeah. AIs will be... Um, integrated in all sorts of parts of your life. And Tell I don't, me some other places uh, where you well, see them coming. Well, I, I don't doubt, Yeah. I have no doubt that um, AIs will be in your car. Doing what? Um, and they'll say this to you. Uh, when you turn on your sat-nav, it'll say, Amelia, on Wednesday mornings, you usually go to teach yoga at the centre mm. up on Ellie Fields. Mm. Um, it's only 10 minutes until you're supposed to be there. Are you going there today? It, my phone already does that. Yes, but it doesn't do that using an AI. It does it using Waze. Yes, but what Waze is doing is it's just running a very simple thing. Where does Amelia go on Thursday? Send a reminder message. An AI would have no instruction to do that. I didn't give Waze an instruction to do that. It just did it. No, did but, I do it? No but, no, no, but they did at Waze. <laughs> oh. Like, they did. They said okay, like, so I'm finding it hard to know what the difference is here. The difference is, say you were going out with me and you said, I'm going to the shops. Mm. Um, and then I got in the car with you and mm. I said, okay, I'll come to the shops. And then halfway along the road, I remembered. Mm. Yeah, You didn't program me to remember. I just remembered. What did you remember? That you're supposed to be teaching yoga up the road. You're oh. not supposed to be going to the shops. Right. right. Well, an AI would be constantly thinking. About like where should you be? Where should where should you be going? So what it would be, you be influencing doing? your choices. It depends how we. It depends how we build our future. Whether you're going to accept that or not. 
But, but if you get in the car, you know where you're going, right? right but it's let, rare let, to get in the let, car and just drive. Well, I forget everything all the time of where, I'm, spo- where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> what I'm supposed to be doing, I'll go into the off-licence to buy a bottle of wine on the way to someone's house as a present for dinner, mm. and I'll come out with, you know, like a packet of peanuts. Yeah, no wine. Yeah, no wine. What... Okay, so that's maybe that's not a great example. I think you're mm. going to have another brain. That's a good example. I think you're going to have another brain alongside you all the time that's toing offering and f- information. Offering information, toing and throwing with By you. Different networks. Um, yeah, that's thinking. Mm. And I think it's very difficult for us to understand what, what that, that means. Right because some of the things we have with our phones and whatnot mm. are already giving the illusion that they're doing that mm. but it's not going to be that anymore they're going to be right there alongside us mm. so okay. have, have we have we got lost here no we, we just to... went we just went down yeah. a little road it's yeah. fine so 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 coming back to the alignment thing yes so in that with that prediction yes or even where we are now yes how do you stay aligned how how do you personally stay aligned okay I think it's actually easier than it sounds. Yeah. So I think when you start to talk about all this stuff, yeah. and when people start to show you like this is what these things are capable of, yeah. it looks as if technology is capable of building another reality that you might that might just be full of adverts and, and Facebook feeds. But the things that you can be certain of that you need to go back to are probably things that you've already been looking at. Mm. So your body, Mm. your mental processes, Mm. um, the natural world Mm -hmm. are probably where you've just got to go to. For the truth. For for some experience of authenticity Mm -hmm. and truth. So I I do think that our experience of truth is malleable. So it's more about looking at how are you going to be able to retreat at will from a world which is ever more technologically demanding and where we can't be sure why technology is pushing or tweaking our behaviour in certain ways. I think you're going to need to more than ever switch off mm-hmm. and go and take a walk in the park. Mm. Switch off, put your phone in the drawer, mm-hmm. go outside. It doesn't matter if you've got a tiny balcony or a lovely garden. Mm. Go and sit oh. outside and look at the sky for half mm. an hour. Um, if you're so, the power is the off button. I think the power is the off button, and your alignment is is. Your realignment. Yeah, and there's a potential for you to realign and gather yourself Mm. that will always be there. Mm. So if you do a physical practice, Mm. like like you're obviously really interested in yoga, yoga is going to be just as hard, right? Mm. Whether you've got an AI Mm. telling you that it's easy or do this move or do... Mm. If you just learn what your key moves are, Mm. your positions what you need to hold, what you need to work with, and you switch the tech off, Mm. I think that you need to constantly check in with your mind, your body, Mm. um, and the natural world as much as you can. Because there's going to be a glossier version of mind, body, and natural world every time you look at a screen. So what are your... I'm going to come back to this if you... 
if you're happy to share, what are the ways that you do it? How do you stay aligned? I think I have some idea, but so, I think also I probably don't have for a picture. So I like, I enjoyed doing difficult physical stuff. Mm, like what? Um, because it's humbling. So uh, any, any exercise. <laughs> so, so just, I mean, if anybody's interested, I spent 20 years mm. probably doing zero exercise mm, just operating from head up just sitting at a computer neck up I so say. yeah i've got stiff shoulders and a bad back mm. and, and bad eyesight from mm. just sitting in front of the computer mm. all day long i think the last mm. exercise i'd done before <laughs> before i was 49 or 48 the last exercise i'd done was like dancing around in a nightclub in like, <laughs> together in like the middle of the 90s right and then and then absolutely zero so I kind of started exercising and realised that that is a great check-in um, because mm. we can get complacent or we can just live in a fantasy mm. world where we're not paying attention to mm. the fact that your, got a body. your mind and your body are intertwined. Mm. And I spend a lot of time thinking, no, it's just my mind mm. that matters. Mm. And, and so I'd even started a meditation practice over that period mm. um, which I found helpful, mm -hmm. but it's not really anywhere near as effective as a meditation practice when you're actually aware of your body as well. Mm -hmm. um, so cycling, mm -hmm. running, um, doing jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. when my body allows it, mm -hmm. um, with people who are much younger. I mean, in, also in terms of when I say check in with the natural world, mm. I think that also includes checking in with other human, other human beings. Mm. So without be, a screen. Yeah, without mm. a screen. So being in an environment where there's other humans mm. doing an activity where there's no, no screens screen. involved, mm. you get to know people mm -hmm. and lots of different people and um, purely on a one-to-one on -a -one level, mm. like people did in the days before social media and computers. Mm. Kind of like more like when I was at school really mm. like just bundling with some different people and make contact with other humans mm. so so humanity nature nature practice physical practice physical practice and if you've got some kind of uh, quiet uh, meditative practice whether mm. that's like a, just a breathing practice or whether you've got a religion which has got like mm. a prayer practice and how yeah and how, thanks, how do you contact like your higher, how do you align with your higher self? Do you have a practice like that? I mean, I, I think you, I know you do, but I'm not quite sure what it is. I, I don't call it my higher what self. What do you call it? I don't call it anything. Oh. I think that, that, I think what you're talking about yeah. um, feels like it shows itself when I do those things. Mm. So like when I'm physically exercising, when I'm in nature, um, when I've got a quiet meditative practice mm. and somewhere in the mental noise, when it subsides, mm. there's some peace. Mm. I think that is, I think that's what you mean mm. by higher self. Yeah. Yeah, it is and I think for me there's a like a, there's an internal navigation system that I can get in touch with which I trust if it gives me um, information 
free of my ego. And that, that comes about in all those ways that you've described through meditation, through physical practice, through sitting quietly in nature, through talking to other inspiring people. Yeah. yeah. I think I think maybe what you're talking about for me mm. is is letting go mm. of the constant onslaught of tasks, work tasks, you know, that that I think the kind of thing that I'm talking about is actually very tied up for me with work. Mm. So work can be very busy. Mm. Um mm. and doing work with electronics with computers mm. there's always a flow of tasks mm. that need attending to mm-hmm. and i think that just letting go like like you said the off button mm-hmm. um, is very good for letting go mm-hmm. of some of that stuff and then after that i just need to give it time mm. there's no point doing like going and sitting outside for five minutes five minutes is great mm-hmm. five minutes away from the screen is great but actually it's much better to turn it off at five o'clock and then go and do something else for a few hours. Yeah, so full decompression. Yeah. Mm. So where, what do you see then? I mean, I think we've touched a little bit about the negatives. Is there anything more you want to talk about the negatives of, of the technology and how it's moving forwards with AI? No, I, th- I think that you can go down a, a black hole for, of speculation. Mm. If I don't, I don't think that AI will do anything other than amplify who we are as humans. I mean, if you go to the history of the 20th century, mm. I don't think it gets much worse than some of the things that happened in the last century. Mm. So, you know, with the, with the world wars. So mm. I don't think we need to go down... Um, mm. uh, the road of saying, "Oh, it's going to lead us into okay. like a new mm. world war," because mm. we did we did some big we did world that wars AI, yeah. like, without the help of computers. Mm. Mm. So, I don't think it has to be doom and gloom at all. Mm. I think it just has to. To I think the point of the conversation really mm-hmm. is just that there's something that I think we can do. Maybe it's a trick that's been played on us by social media is that we can control it or we're more powerful than the device. Mm. And you have to imagine that some of these supercomputers are the other end of your social media feed Mm. and therefore they're going to keep feeding the stuff at you and I don't think you can just consume it all day long and say, I'll be fine. You need to turn your phone off and also and, to not to have the foreknowledge and and yeah and the, to the, have of a, what's coming at and, you and to have a clear voice in your head which says what I'm looking at isn't may, true <laughs> may not be true and maybe at the moment when you look at you know a Twitter feed or an Instagram feed maybe seventy percent of your feeds true but I think you're going to see a feed where seventy percent of it isn't, isn't isn't what we would now call real yeah even with the Photoshop stuff yeah I think that you're going to see images now where there was no person. You're going to be looking at a picture of a person, that's mm, what it looks mm, like, mm. but there won't have been a person. That person never existed. That person will never have existed, neither will there have been a camera involved no. but it, or any light you know, mm, in, mm, that, mm. in that scene mm. of someone posing by the pool or whatever mm, they're mm-hmm, doing. Mm-hmm. It just won't be real anymore. Mm, and therefore, like, where is our real? Mm. And I think our real has to be, as we've said, 
in nature mm -hmm. with other human beings mm -hmm. and most importantly being comfortable with yourself mm. so like what are you going to do to make sure that you're comfortable with mm. yourself mm. when the device is off because mm. they're going to be ever present mm. yeah and and what about the positives what do you see the good being done with this again think, is that exponentially like unpredictable i think <laughs> i think it's unpredictable but I would like to think that you can put, we'll be able to put tools to use to do the things that were tedious that we don't really want to do. Mm. Like if you think about the machines that you have at home, like the, like the washing machine, mm. which seems trivial, but actually I know from talking to my mum, mm. who's 90 now, mm -hmm. that her grandmother and her mother spent a huge amount of time washing clothes, mm -hmm. right? But I am not sure if you want to spend most of your life washing clothes. Mm. And so therefore I'm going to say, washing machine, great technology. Mm. Now, if there's other stuff going on, that we don't really want to do. Like, I don't really want to do any admin with car insurance companies anymore. And if I could say to my phone, like, could you sort me out a car insurance deal? I'm not, Get the I'm, best one. I'm not paying more than £500. There's three adults in the household now. Yeah. Like, I'm not paying more than that. Like, don't come back to me or talk to me about car insurance <laughs> until you've got me a great deal. It would be great if I could just, with natural language, mm. just ask my computer to do that. to do that. Because at the moment... Can I'm they do your accounts? I think so, yeah. They'll I mean, to do my accounts. actually, my accounting software is pretty good <laughs> for matching up, like, my... It's learning how yeah, to match yeah, my yeah. Um, bank statement with so receipts. Account, yeah, 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 it's doing pretty well. Mm. Um, so if technology can work for us mm. and with us, mm. I think it's great. If we're working for it, then we've let the balance like flip round. If you've ever tried to book a holiday mm. online, you'll know that it's a long and tedious process mm. because we're overwhelmed with choice. Mm. Right? So I don't know if you ever went to a travel agent when you were a kid to get a holiday abroad. You went, you went in, there was a choice of three, yeah. three holidays you could have to that location. Yeah. Someone else did the computer on their yeah, green screen great. for you. And then you walked out, you had a holiday. Yeah. Whereas now you open your internet, there's a billion holidays available. Yeah. You've got to do all the booking yourself. You've yeah. got to do, read all the reviews. It's, you know, it's quite tedious, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. like, I'd rather you shortlisted me three great holidays. That you know I love. That you, you know I love. <laughs> you know, I, th I think these things are absolutely inevitable that that level of technology is going to come. Wow. Right. How so, soon do you think it's coming? Is that like how... I, I'm going to say that if you knew how to ask an AI, and this is actually... The you new, could do it now. You could do it now. Mm, okay. So this is a new skill. There is a new job skill mm -hmm. called prompt engineer. Right. right, because what we're feeding AIs at the moment to get the results that we want to yeah. work for us are, are generally called prompts. Okay. So prompt engineering mm. is actually the skill. Like an editor. It's an editing kind of skill, yeah. Mm. So like in my in my field, in photography, mm. the quality of results I'm getting back mm. from those image generating AIs mm are based on the quality of my prompts. So ask better questions, which is actually true in life. Ask, yeah, so ask the questions that you want for, yeah. for the results that you I, want. It's, it's so true in life, because I know if I ask anyone, like, how's your day? 
and they'll just kind of go, oh, okay. Whereas if I ask somebody what was the best bit of your day, yes. I get a proper answer. Yes, so it's a bit like asking uh, asking better questions. Asking a computer, give me something okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want something that's okay. Yeah. Right. Or like I really want to have a great experience or I Here want to in this location, what can I what can I do to give people. other people a great yeah. experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you wanna no, mention? No. Covered what? Not really. I think I think I think the thing is that we're at a, we're, we're just at a pivotal point. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that everything that I think is gonna come true. Yeah. No, but I just think it feels like one of those know. one of those points. And I think these points are probably gonna become come quicker. So you you're you're a historian. Mm. When was the printing press invented? Sixteen hundreds. Okay. When was I think or well, late fifteen hundreds. So photography was invented uh, middle of the nineteenth century. Yeah. Right. Uh, when was the steam engine invented? I, that I don't know. No. So these these events are sort of have been like one once a century. Mm. Right. But let's say we had sort of a fully functioning a fully functioning internet by the end of the 90s we had a computer in everybody's pocket by 2010 Mm. Uh, and now we're going to have an intelligence with more capability than the entire internet less than a decade after that so these are i think these events are going to happen quicker and and then i I don't know if it's ironic's the right word but AI itself will now accelerate the next stage. Yes, and that's what's that's and so it's that's it's, what's it's, particularly unique about this development. Yeah, and I think and I think that there's got an unsettling quality to it. Like mm. I've just got used to using one technology. Yeah. There'll be a new mm. version of the technology that, I have to know and learn. that maybe you have to know and learn. Yeah. So it's awareness fundamentally. Yeah, and and not being afraid to say actually I'm a human being. Mm. My core values are love, peace, <laughs> kindness, compassion. Yeah, and yeah. and I and I get and I get respite from the pace of change by doing a bit of gardening. Yeah, doing a bit of walking. Yeah, doing some exercise yeah. or some yoga. I t- I take half an hour out to do just meditation, a quiet meditation yeah, yeah. or breathing that's that's fine that's in a world where everything seems like it's moving Speeding super up. fast yeah, yeah yeah great amazing okay on that note i think we'll okay finish up um i love you oh that's a nice thing to say <laughs> i didn't think there'd be love at the end of the podcast <laughs> is it a podcast yeah it, can it be. is a podcast i think i might put it out as a podcast okay. yeah i truly truly love you i appreciate you oh that's kind we love you too and see you all very soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>